Episode number 43, Employee Retention Credits Can Mean Dollars, with Brad Transcred, our guest. Welcome to CEO to Rainmaker, a practical small business educational podcast designed to increase an owner's executive skills, raise profits, and achieve long-term sustainability. And now your host, Gene Valdez. You know, business owners, there are many tax incentives and deductions available to small and medium-sized businesses today many of which business owners and to some degree their CPAs are not familiar with. One of those is the employee retention credit. And then since we live in the world of acronyms, that's the ERC, which has become a hot issue as a result of the pandemic and the emergence of PPE loans that surfaced in the last couple of years. I have lined up a special expert guest for this week's show to help us understand the ERC and how it could benefit all of you business owner listeners. My guest today is Brad Transgrad, who is an associate director with the Alliance Group, a national organization, and I'll have Brad talk a little bit more about what they do and all of the uh, highly experienced and education that their employees have guiding businesses. The Alliance Group is actually based in Houston and they're a national tax consulting firm with over 20 offices in the United States. Its mission is to strengthen American businesses by helping them take full advantage of all incentives and deductions available. Brad's specialty is the employee retention credit. And Brad has extensive knowledge in finance, investments, securities, data analytics. He has used his education and experience to help hundreds of US businesses qualify for the ERC. I know this for a fact because he has helped two of my clients qualify. And there was some incentives of, of a significant amount involved. As of today, Brad has helped businesses claim more than $250 million in credits. So I suggest you fasten your seatbelts and listen up very carefully. So let's get right into it. Let's bring out the man who's not a myth and not a legend. Brad, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> Excellent. Gee, thanks so much. That was a heck of an intro. I appreciate that. I practiced that like a thousand times. So, uh, <laughs> no, seriously, you're you're in Texas, right? Uh, based out of Houston. Yeah, born and raised. So, yeah. Well, let's do a, let's do a weather contest. It's going to be 103 today in the Inland Empire. What's it? Uh, what's it today in Texas? Uh, the city. Oh, we- we we got you beat for sure. Uh, well, actually, it's only ninety five today. Uh, oh, it's nothing. Yeah, but but we have eighty percent humidity, so I, yeah. that, that that at least doubles the temperature, doesn't it? Does the twenty four hour deodorant hold up under that type of pressure? No comment. <laughs> All right. So, Brad, 
I hope you're doing well. And thanks for being my guest. So let's get right into it. What the heck is an ERC? And why should my business owner listeners even care? Yeah. Well, I think just first and foremost, this is arguably one of the most misunderstood fixtures of the tax code. Um, certainly of the you know, m- most recent years when the CARES Act has come out and you know, the Consolidated Appropriations Act has come out. You know, look, you kind of think of the origin of this credit in the sense that it was effectively kind of an alternative to PPP, right? So I bet, you know, Gene, how many of your clients took advantage of PPP? What, probably all of them? Uh, a good percentage, yeah. A good, a, a good percentage, right? Yeah. Originally, it was an either-or choice between PPP and ERC, and in my opinion, PPP made a lot more sense. Quicker deployment of cash, right? The forgiveness aspect of it, although <laughs> nobody really knew how that was going to work in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but today, this credit is much more of a hiring incentive than it is a financial band-aid like PPP was, right? So if you sure. remember, PPP2 had to have a 25% decline in revenue. Sure, sure. Right? This retention credit's revenue agnostics. Our firm has delivered about $2.4 billion in retention credits, of that, about half of which have gone to businesses that did not meet the required drop in revenue. Okay. That's significant. Yeah, so Pete, that always raises a few eyebrows, right? Because again, everybody looks at this incentive and they say, well, did I have a 50 or a 20% decline in revenue? And if the answer is no, then it doesn't make sense for me. And thankfully, because of subsequent updates and guidance provided on behalf of the service, there is now a pathway of eligibility that is independent from revenue, right? So here's where you start looking at what Congress's attempt to do is recognize that just because you didn't have some sort of random decline in revenue doesn't mean you weren't impacted, right? Doesn't mean you couldn't have a better year, right. et cetera, et cetera. So that's when right. you start looking at municipal, county, state, or federal orders, right? How has the business changed the way it does things in response to the pandemic? Not necessarily shut down, right? But just, hey, I used to do things this way, but because of X, Y, and Z, I now have to do things this way. So that's where a lot of folks start looking at this. Well, what's at stake here, Brad? Well, I mean, look, the upside on this is up to 26 grand per employee across both years. 26 grand per employee. That's right. Now, is this credit a credit or is it actual cash? Good question. So this is a fully refundable credit. So let's say, for example, one of your clients paid, I don't know, $10,000 in payroll taxes in Q2 of last year. Okay. But they generated, let's just say, 50 grand in credits, even though they only paid in 10, they're actually going to receive a check in the mail for all 50. They are. Yeah. So it'll, it'll real cash infusion back to the business, whatever wow. credits they qualify for. Yeah. So, That's significant. Well, unlike PPP, too, I mean, there's no stipulations upon how you spend it, right? Remember, PPP, you had to spend it on payroll or utilities, right? There's no stipulations on these uh, refunds. So do you think, I mean, if you did a random survey, what percentage of business owners or I guess throw CPAs in, in the barrel because their advisors are aware of the ERC? I think everybody's probably aware of the, the fact that it exists. I, I would say, I don't know, maybe 20% of businesses truly understand how they could potentially qualify. I mean, I, if you think about it, yeah, and again, these numbers are probably outdated at this point, but look, 80 to $84 billion set aside for this retention credit. That's the way it was scored from Congress. Last time we checked, I think I said 
21 billion has been claimed earlier this year. And it's been out almost for two years at this point. So it's a vastly underutilized incentive. And that's why, look, I mean, at the end of the day, with tax incentives, do it if you qualify for it. Don't do it if you don't qualify for it. But you should at least be talking about how this could potentially impact you, right? Sure, sure. Brad, you don't have to mention names. Could could you share with me your biggest success story uh, in terms of dollars? I'll tell you which one that was particularly interesting. You know, there was a group that um, that I worked with, and these folks, they manufactured a type of uh, packaging for the hospitality industries, the restaurant industry, right? Okay. Business was going super well. However, pandemic shut down all their clients, right? So they were basically fell off the map. Um, they were shut down for two or three weeks. Okay. Serendipitously, they had the right equipment to start making masks. Okay. So bought all the material. All of a sudden it was a mass manufacturer. Fast forward nine months later, the revenue was over double what it was in 2019. But by virtue of them modifying and changing their their operations in response to the regulatory environment from the pandemic, they were able to generate seven figures in credits. So seven figures. Yeah. Wow. So and again, that I just love that story because. In a way, one could argue that, you know, parts of their business benefited from the pandemic, right? But there was a material change in the way in which they operated and it was tied back to a government order and it represented a more than nominal amount, et cetera. So, yeah, but but instances like that happen all the time. They really do. How is the application process involved? Is it hard to do? Is it expensive? What, can you kind of give me the ABCs if someone who is just, hey, I'll take a shot on it. Who never know? You never know, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, look, the mechanics of filing this are such that you'll just file what's called an amended 941X, right? So in most folks use a payroll processor, which kind of auto files their 941s. But for whichever quarters you file for, you'll file 941X and that'll trigger the refund process, right? So that that's as simple as it gets. And what precludes business owners from going directly to the IRS as opposed to going to a firm like you? And how do you get compensated? Yep. So look, as you can imagine, what generates eligibility for businesses is going to be the existence of a municipal, county, state or federal order. Right. Our firm has built out a database of thousands and thousands and thousands of government orders across the nation that allow us to understand the ecosystems in which businesses are operating in. Right. Which can then be a trigger for eligibility. So. Working with a firm like ours, particularly one that's been around for 21 years and has delivered $16 billion in credits and incentives, the benefit of this is, number one, you're going to get a technical narrative that's over 100 pages thick that'll chapter, line, and verse, right, substantiate why you are entitled to the credits, because that's my biggest thing. So if you have insomnia, that'll work. If you read that at night. <laughs> That's right. Yep. If you if you want to put it on your nightstand <laughs> for some bedtime material, you put it on your coffee table, whatever, whatever you want to do with it. So, But this documentation is really, really important because if you can't document it, don't claim the credit, period. Right? right. Now, the way our firm works is, I mean, look, if for whatever reason there's no credits identified, there's no cost right, to any of our clients whatsoever. No retainers, deposits, nothing. We provide complete and full defense behind our clients work we also offer refundability piece of it as well so look effectively the way that we structured it is the barrier for entries on the floor and we effectively assume all the risk for our clients throughout the process so being a detective then you get paid on a contingency basis 
That's right. So we don't get compensated until after our clients get paid, um, depending on what the facts and circumstances uh, are of each individual business. Our fee rates can vary, but no matter what, for the retention credit, it's always a success. So your clients are cash flow positive the entire duration. Is that percentage max out? Could it be, you know, 5, 10, 25, 30, 50, or is it there a flat percentage? It, it totally depends because look, I mean, we could do it in a couple of different ways, whichever is going to be most favorable for the client, but it's designed such that we are always assuming the majority of the risk and the client always receives the vast majority of the credits. No advantage bucks. So, so. For if, if I'm a client, then I go, what do I got to lose? There's nothing up front. Uh, give them what they need. They could check it out. If I qualify, Payday, if I don't, I'm no worse off, right? Then you burn a couple hours of time. I'd say that's the downside to looking at it, right? But again, this credit is so misunderstood in the sense that everyone says, oh, I was an essential business. And so therefore I didn't qualify. Doesn't matter, right? I wasn't shut down. I don't qualify. Doesn't matter. Um, I didn't have the 50 or 20% decline revenue. Doesn't matter, right? And so that's where I'm super passionate about it. Our firm is super passionate about it. At least just understand the credit. If you want to do it from, from there on, that's your decision as a business owner, right? What's the size of, is there a minimum or maximum size of a business that can apply in terms of annual sales or employees? Interesting question. So minimum, no, um, maximum potentially. Um, so what happens is, is when you are over 500 employees, um, you can only capture wages for folks you paid not to work. Okay. So that can that can limit it sometimes. Now that being said, the definition of an employee is going to be different than the likes of PPP and some other incentives, right? The okay. long and short of it is half an employee plus half an employee doesn't always equal one employee, right? So sometimes and it depends, but sometimes we're able to identify companies that have larger than 500 employees when in all reality, they have under that sub 500 mark, which means that all their employee wages can be eligible. So this is kind of the complexity of this is you have to do an employee by employee analysis. You have to, right? Okay. And that's a very strict definition. You can't use uh, outside contractors or 1099. These have to be on the payroll employees you're paying social security taxes and payroll taxes on. W-2 employees. That's right. Yep. Let's say it's a modest company and they have two employees. Maybe they might be eligible for a small award or a small credit. It's not going to be astronomical like a $50 million company, but something. Yeah, they've structured it such that, I mean, in almost every instant, it makes sense to look at. Right. And that's why, you know, if you haven't explored this and looked into it further, it's worth the conversation. Because if you think about it, be it supply chain issues, social distancing, occupancy limitations, impacts of productivity or efficiency. I mean, these are all things that at face value, folks say, well, of course, I had to deal with the same thing everybody else had to deal with. Right. Right. Um, but right. It's, not, it's not like, you know, folks woke up one day and said, this is my new operating procedure. Right. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Tell me a little bit about the quality of the people that is providing this, these opinions and, and um, you know, just the people you have on your, your executive management team. Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, I think the most notable people that are intimately involved in our processes are our four former IRS commissioners on staff. So uh, the first of which was Mark Everson, who led the service from 03 to 07 and was nicknamed the enforcer. 
Um, <laughs> darn near put a lot of folks out of business when he was uh, commissioner. <laughs> so, anyways, he was the, the first make a commissioner. Movie out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds like a WWE or something like oh, that. <laughs> did you see the movie The Accountant? Yeah, I've yeah. seen that. <laughs> the Enforcer. The That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. So, anyways, he did 18 months of diligence on our processes before he joined our firm. And then since then, Kathy Petronchak, Steve Miller, and then most recently, Eric Hilton, who retired as the SBSC commissioner last year um, and joined our firm last spring. Um, so for the last roughly one year, he's been our national director of compliance and is intimately involved within our quality control practice of attorneys for our ERC study process, et cetera. So we kind of have that fixture of our business, if you will, that provides kind of the insight to the enforcement, et cetera. On the flip side, we have our kind of former legislators, right? So you start looking at how tax legislation is introduced and passed, and it always starts, right, within the House Ways and Means Committee, right? This is where right. they'll introduce the bill and they'll argue back right. and forth, what have you. So we have you know, a couple of folks like, okay, maybe former Congressman Eric Paulson from Minnesota, right? And then on the Senate Finance Committee, we have former senior counsel to the Senate Finance Committee, Dean Zerby. So from a legislative intent perspective, why these incentives are created and what they're designed to do, folks like these on our staff, along with Rick Lazio, Rick White, former U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Mike Johan, I mean, the list goes on and on, right? So these guys allow us to understand how legislation is going to be impacting uh, our clients. And Really, they're, what they're doing on a daily basis is they're advocating for small businesses on our clients' behalf. That's what they do. Right, now. right. So, well, and I'm also assuming since your your firm is getting paid on a contingency basis that you want to vet the potential application and you're not going to take anything on that you don't think that's going to go through. Otherwise, you're just burning personnel, time and energy on things, on applications that are not going anywhere. Well, yeah, and that's what I spend most of my time doing on the front end is speaking with folks and saying, look, this does appear to make sense given X, Y, Z, or you know what? Hey, this doesn't. You should not look into this. Right, right. right and, right, and that right. happens more often than you think, right? Yeah. But to your point, if it doesn't make sense for our prospective clients, it doesn't make sense for us, right? And I'll be the very first to tell you. Well, I mean, I could talk forever on this, Brad, because these are – major dollars involved. And where do you, where do you guys see the horizon? Do you see that this is a short-term phenomenon or do you see that this is here to stay? What, or who knows what the IRS is thinking? Well, I mean, the statutes on this is three years. So from that regard, we have some time to go ahead and apply for things and things like that. You know, once that statute closes, the availability is going to go along with it. Right. But I think, look, Congress is continually looking at, identifying, creating, and introducing new pieces of tax legislation uh, for small to mid-sized businesses. Not to be speculative, but the economy might be heading into a recession the next four to six months, right? Yes, how yes. We, as we go into this, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not we are going to replicate what happened in the CARES Act, the Consolidated Appropriations Act, et cetera, these different stimulus packages and tax incentives, if they're going to continue to introduce these and perhaps maybe lengthen them as we might head into recession, right? So I think that's where, if anything, we'll see new incentives come out, not necessarily the expiration of old incentives. Got it. Okay. Well, Brad, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but what's the, the best way for any of my listeners who maybe wanted to get more information. What's the best way to get a hold of you? I can do it and spell out, but it'd be bradley.trangsrude 
at alliancegroup.com. Now okay. I'll let Gene spill it out in the bio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Well, this has been awesome. So Brad, thank you so much for your time. We all deserve what's been approved. And if it's just a process of taking a look-see, what's wrong with that? You know? Yeah. I always joke. We're all paying for stuff like this anyway. So <laughs> yeah, got it. I got it. All right. Well, listen, this, uh, that's a wrap then, Brad. Thank you so much. Yeah, Gene, thank you so much for having me. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, listeners, this concludes this week's show. If Brad has struck a chord with you, which he should have, hook up with your CPA and the two of you should contact him. It doesn't cost anything to apply. Make sure you tune in next Monday, August 29th, for my next Rainmaker episode, which I'm calling Rainmaker Lingo. If you want to be one, you got to sound like one. That's it. See you later. Bye-bye. This has been CEO to Rainmaker with Gene Valdez. To find out more, like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. If you have questions, email the show. Find that link and others in the show notes. Thanks for listening and join us again next time.